Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan is gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 171. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. Well, Ryan, <laughs> uh, we've got some interesting news that came out this week, and you've got a little fun game to kind of get us through that. You yeah. want to launch into it? Okay, so there's been a lot of speculation out there of like, is Deadpool going to be the MCU? Is he going to be R-rated? There's been a lot of like talk back and forth. So Kevin Feige has officially made a statement saying Deadpool will be in the MCU and he will have an R-rated movie that is coming out still within the same universe. So this is big news. And then they've also made uh, sort of some side uh, statements saying like Disney Plus as a whole will have a R-rated restricted area within their actual thing. So this is pretty cool. Um, and it, it means a lot for the MCU as a whole. So we can bring in some of the more rough and tough characters that we maybe not necessarily in a Disney world were able to use before. So Did anyone all- go into a video store back when video stores were a thing and then go in the weird back sex room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Everybody did that. Yeah. And then I was disappointed when Blockbuster wasn't there. It didn't oh, count I know. <laughs> they wouldn't allow them. It was so tough because you had to like, um, I was still straight. These are air quotes I'm using right now at the time. So you had to find the hottest straight guy in a straight porn, but you still just wanted to go to the gay section. It was tough. To yeah. Find. It was a gay so, section. Oh, for sure. Uh, did you have like a sheet divider? I feel like uh, my local vi- Captain Video, you had to like, slide this random curtain out of the way because god forbid you actually put a door on it or like i wish there was more like saloon doors like you had to like push through the, oh yeah that that would have been fun yeah it was just a adam cap for me adam captain video sounds like the worst superhero i've ever heard of they had it it was like a full they had a full character and it was exactly as bad as you think it would be 80s helmet like goggles like a terrible like bodysuit. No, it was it was rough. Okay, so your suggestions first and foremost are that they should all be NC seventeen. Is that what I'm hearing from you? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so with this all in mind, so how will a character like Deadpool and his greater world work into notoriously like a PG thirteen MCU world that we already know and love? So how could they? carve out a little piece for Deadpool. What do you guys think? Kaylin. So I think the way that they will likely do it is um, the other MCU characters will come into Deadpool's movies and he likely will not go into their movies as much. Uh Um, So I think it's going to be him doing like fourth wall breaking, like piss take versions of uh, the MCU characters basically serving as his straight men, uh, kind of the same way Cable did in the, uh, in, the, in the Deadpool sequel that came out a few years ago. Um, so he might like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's rumors of like certain people coming back in the MCU. I don't think they're really gonna happen, but that might be a way that they do it where they just reprise their roles and it's just Deadpool sort of force gumping through certain parts <laughs> of, of uh, the, Marvel, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And just, you know, basically saying, well, this is fucking stupid. And then kind of going off into doing his own adventure. So I think that's the way they do it. 
uh, he's actually probably the most likely character I could see them splicing through the multiverse of Matt. Like maybe it's like a cameo in that and then they find another way for him to cut through into his own movie or otherwise. I just, you know, he has an established canon. It obviously just is a very weird canon to begin with, but I think that's part of the fun of it. They can do sort of the meta commentary around the X-Men movies or otherwise. Um, I would... I thought they did a really good job of pairing him, like even within the world of, of X-Men First Class and just the general, those movie uh, sequels, like teaming him up with Colossus. Like they, they already did a good job of like obviously interlacing him with what was supposed to be a more serious comic book world. So I, I definitely agree with you, Kalen, that I, I like the idea of him like being peppered in or them being peppered in like one way or the other. I think it's gotta be that because I think if they blend him too much into the actual MCU, it'll be exactly a jump sharking, mo jump shark jumping moment that I don't want because the, sh the I feel like the MCU is already somewhat self com commentary on it on itself, like not and obviously a meta commentary way, but certainly self reflective of superheroes and on the stuff that they've done over the the series of movies. So I just I don't want it to go too ridiculous because I also don't want that. I want I don't want what happened within uh, Guardians of the Galaxy success where it like there was like this obviously replication, especially with Ragnarok and everything else. Like they've really tuned up the comedy, which is good and it's fun, but it, there's gotta be a balance to it where it's not, it has to take itself somewhat seriously, not too overly unserious. So I don't know, I didn't really have a major idea for plot line, but I just, I, I think there's a lot of balancing they're gonna have to do. So because it's successful once, they don't just replicate that kind of thing throughout everything of the MCU, Ryan? Yeah, I totally agree with you, both of you guys. I think, um, the only thing we could ever get is like when the, there's like an Avengers movie, there's an, a big event movie, you only see a glimpse of the Deadpool, quote, Deadpool heroes. Yeah. And, and they say nothing because, and it, <laughs> it, because the R-rated stuff is tough to translate to a PG-13 audience, like the larger audience. So I think we would only see a glimpse of that. With that all said, I think Deadpool can carve out uh, like a really cool space for himself and do some of the Marvel characters that th we've never touched before. So he can form an X-Force team. He could form yeah. a Great Lakes Avengers team. He could form like all these fun teams with like some really cool characters. And uh, just to spitball, I kind of came up with um, some that I thought could maybe not work in the normal MCU, but maybe could work in the, uh, in the Deadpool MCU R-rated world. Um, I think Celine as a villain yeah. slash even ally could be, she literally just fucking sucks the life out of people. And that would be hard to <laughs> convey, uh, sometimes in a MCU world, uh, D man, which is like a knockoff of Wolverine, I think would be really cool. Right. Um, Jack of hearts, he's just terrible. And I would like to see him <laughs> die. Um, and just to include a couple X-Men characters, maggot. Omega Red and Dr. Nemesis, I think are all primed and ready to like maybe be in a Deadpool world as well. Um, but, uh, and also just throw in like Squirrel Girl or something to keep the levity like so high that they can just do anything they want with it. And she could even be the PG-13 view into like the movie and be like, oh, offended by everything that happens. I think, I think there's a lot of things they could do with that. I feel like you're talking through that kind of thing. I feel like you're giving me a lot of like, 
Hellions, the current Hellions run as a movie, and I would totally. sign the fuck up for that immediately. Like I was like, could you figure out how to get Mister C- Gay Mister Sinister in there somehow? Like just ta- find a reason to just actually, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely would like to see an evolving team form around him. That's part of his own universe kind of idea because obviously Deadpool two is a bit like lackluster overall, and so I'd like to see them. There's got to be more ways to drive interest in this character beyond just you know meta potty humor essentially <laughs> Caitlin you were gonna say something yeah um so I'm sort of thinking to, through a couple of logistics things and this is not like within continuity or within the stories or anything like that but like Disney plus is very adamant about only having pg-13 and like pg and g rated stuff so no rated r stuff will happen there so Deadpool whatever content whether it's the previous movies that they accrued through the acquisition of Fox or new movies can't exist on there, so it'll be on Hulu or whatever the hell else platform. But I'm also um, this no, is no, they they, they did make a they did make a statement saying they are going to create a age restricted thing within oh. Disney Plus that would be R rated. Oh. Okay, well, okay, that's 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 interesting to know. Secondly, and uh, this is more of like I think like a philosophical discussion point or question is the whole idea of ratings. I think are just so antiquated at yeah. this point and maybe it's because you know we're all adults and you know we watch either all ages stuff or stuff that's a little bit more mature uh but i feel like if you're like if you're like 14 or 15 years old and you're watching you know captain america or the avengers or guardians of the galaxy you're probably watching you know terminator and aliens and whatever other kind of like rated r you know genre fiction there is and like they're like it just it's like it's such this weird um distinction that we have from a rating system that is now several decades old that the studio system still wants to hold on to. I just think it's, it's absolutely funny and bizarre. It's wild um, movies from the 80s and stuff and realizing that their versions are like PG are what maybe an R is now. Like how <laughs> right. very strange, like they were cussing, there was nudity, all sorts of stuff for a PG. You know, it's like, how did this happen? How do we right. get more stringent with bullshit? Tipper yeah. Gore. I blame her. Yeah, yeah, that was music. Fuck that. Um, well, so I was thinking, um, I feel like Deadpool was already a MCU movie. The first one. Yeah. Like they, they, they even they, included they, that. They had carrier. the Hell Carrier, that too. Um, oh, right. That's where they had the final fight, etc. I, I mean, you know, besides adding Colossus, which was great and interesting, it, it, it felt just like an MCU movie that just happened to be crazy. <laughs> I, don't totally. th- I don't think they have to reinvent the wheel at all, at even slightly with this. I, they might yeah. have to delete Colossus, delete the X-Men they already have, especially Colossus, because I'm assuming they're going to have something important for him Real to do. Yeah. With, yeah. With, it, with that all said, they could even like create like an R-rated like genre within Disney where it's like if you're going to in- introduce Blade, like fucking make yeah. him R-rated, honestly. Kalen? Yeah. No, uh, you know, the model that they could use, and kind of going back on what I said just a few minutes ago, is remember Marvel had Max Comics? Yeah. That was their like mature readers, uh, mm-hmm. like imprint, because they did like their version of Squadron Supreme is called Supreme Power that J. Michael Straczynski did. Uh, Garth Ennis's Punisher, like some of the Nick Fury stuff. Um, uh, like even they retrofitted like some of the old epic comics like Electra Assassin, and they made it under the Max banner. 
I'm sure that's probably what they're going to try to do. Like they're that they are uh, they're in the same universe, but it's continuity light, and like there's very little sort of intersection that really happens. Uh, you are. I'm, I was going to say that's like a marketing branding person's dream, right? To be able to say, okay, at the next Comic Con, we're going to announce our Disney Plus Max or whatever, and it's like here are the four MCU things that fall underneath that umbrella. Cause they're not gonna, like, obviously they confirm they're doing yeah. this Deadpool movie, but I'm like, when they start giving out real information about it, they're gonna combine it just like they did for the, all of those shows that got canceled on Hulu, Hellstrom, plus all those things, the yeah. cartoon shows, like you always need this bucket so you can advertise you, this cool new thing we're doing essentially. The buckets Wait. have all gone so wrong lately. That I know, they should stay away from the that. Last two, the last two buckets they did with four different series. Oh Ball my would be God. Maybe okay, they shouldn't be that relevant. Okay, with that in mind, besides Deadpool and Blade, who else could be in that like that could star in a film or even like a Disney Plus show? Kaylin? Moon Knight. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that would that be a good be one. But they're not going to um, be... That's going to be a PG-13 movie. You don't think they will slide it over? No. Who knows? It, it will be PG-13, but I think it makes sense in a more kind of mature rated R setting. It, if they ever do Thunderbolts, I knew we're going to review the comics, and but that would be perfect <laughs> for that, honestly. Or would they pull for under? Because sure. I mean, that Modoc is it like Modoc is still happening? I feel like that they <laughs> yeah. could like bring in as just like, uh, sure, also this. Like once they're once they're past their mature, once they have their age restriction stuff, they can start putting more on. That one's uh, going to be very weird. I the. Pat Oswald is writing a Modoc comic right now, and it's surprisingly good. So I'm looking forward to what the TV show, show will be like. But anyways, yeah. yeah, that's not going to be you know what I R-rated. You know what I would love, uh, and Clark will be will agree with me if they did like a Pete Wisdom series. Oh, uh, because I was just reminded uh, that the original Pete Wisdom miniseries was under the Max banner. Uh, it was a very really? like mature readers comic. It was so good. Uh, hey, you know what this this world really needs more of is maybe a Punisher TV show. I'm no. just fucking kidding. I know. I yeah. <laughs> what character can you use I've instead of the Punisher? One. Or that a movie. Was a joke. They haven't done a single movie in all these years. You know. <laughs> How about a character that has like like a, a pony on his on his chest? Yeah. <laughs> you can't turn that into some sort of white nonsense. Uh, the only other one I would like to see, and I, this would be way down the road, uh, and it may never even happen, but like Phantom X, if they ever gave him a solo project, Ooh, would be yeah. completely perfect for um, a like a mature rated yeah. R like section of of uh, the MCU. That That's would have cool. to be later when they really lean into the X Men, and they're like, these are our alternative ones that are cool. Yeah. And really do like yeah. the Weapon X one. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, they wouldn't do it, but doing some way of reprising the Uncanny X-Force run would be so cool. Because that is such a good oh. movie, TV show, limited series, whatever. Like putting that under a Max Banner would be amazing. No, keep it out of Age of Apocalypse. There's too much There's too much story that would have to be <laughs> before that. Fine. Yeah, I mean, it, I would, in my, like, if you could forecast everything that would need to happen and that also happened. I'll be, when I'm 80, we can be cheersing, Clark, that they finally got to be uncanny. <laughs> yeah. <airport. Great. laughs> when the actors Great. are 90 and they're... 
They're just holograms of themselves from and, and there's still reports that uh, Chris Evans is going to return as Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, he uh, will be able to play the old version of yes. <laughs> when they remake when they remake Endgame, he can just be the old man version. <laughs> that well, that would be phase 16 of the MCU. So uh, with that, let's move on to some comics that came out this week. Uh, we had three issues, and I thought all three were stellar. Uh, first one is Marauders number 17 uh, by Jerry Dugan and Matteo Lali, who are, they are the uh, regular creative team. Sword number two by Al Ewing and uh, Valerio Shitty. And Thunderbolts number one, which is a King in Black uh, tie-in and a miniseries by Matthew Rosenberg and Juan Ferreira. So in Marauders, uh, you know, clearly it's the aftermath of what happened in the previous issue where um, both Emma and Kate get revenge on, uh, on um, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name. Um, Sebastian Shaw. Uh, Sebastian yeah, Sebastian Shaw. Shaw. I just, Shaw. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I don't know why I forgot his name. It's just so weird. Uh, but uh, He did too, based on all the drugs he's on. Uh, that, uh, good point. Uh, and how they're restructuring the entire Hellfire trading company. Basically, like the uh, like the the black and the white are like switching places. Where like the black is going to be uh, handling the uh, legitimate side of things, and the white is going to start doing the black market stuff. Like, huh, interesting. Like little like uh, uh, cross there. And then um, Kate and all the red and all the reds are still going to be doing all the privateer pirating kind of shit. Uh, we saw some follow-up happening in Madripoor, including the uh, the family that were taking care of Lockheed while Kate was "quote unquote" dead, um, and uh, Verendi. You know they're trying to be like the worst uh, uh, developers ever by trying to uh, get rid of the slums in Madripoor and like create like a new mini Dubai there. Uh, but I'm really excited to see like what Emma is planning with the sort of like state dinner. Um, and we saw the return of Jumbo Carnation as well as the craziest chef I think I've ever seen. He's like the Swedish chef, but amazing. And he doesn't want to cook for humans. I love that so much. Saucier. This felt Saucier, like, that's it. This felt like a 40 page comic. And I was so, I mean, like it felt, there were so many storylines going on yeah. and it didn't feel like it was crowded. Yeah. It just felt like valid organic things are happening. Yeah. I was very, very pleased. I, I just want to get most interested in is the the throwback to um, Shinobi Shaw maybe being Harry Leland's son. Yeah. I want to see that happen. Give me that. Right. The, the, the Easter eggs are everywhere. And I yeah. love it so much in this comic. Uh, we we praise Hellions probably as our favorite one, but like Marauders is just as good. It's yeah. so fucking good. Like all the characterization is pretty much for the most point, like on point. And like the storylines are so interesting. Like they, they do such a good job. They have the dialogue in it is just phenomenal. And like uh, to go back to Callisto not having her powers and then really like trying to get them again, realizing Apocalypse is gone and like she may have missed her opportunity. It was just, it, it was a really interesting moment, but then you get uh, really fun Easter eggs, like the Fenris twins being mm. giant, giant cunts at all times. <laughs> and and they're, they're trying to pat themselves on the back for not literally killing someone. Like it's, you just get so many good moments. 
uh, within this I, one comic. I like it so much. I can't stand the Fenris twins just because I miss um, Swordsman being a good guy. Mm. In Thunderbolts, he was the only one who <laughs> didn't want to kill Songbird. Oh, yeah. He actually, like, rescued her. I was bummed out because I really liked his character, and now he's just yeah. some bland jackass. That was a redeeming moment that was kind of fun. Thunderbolts. And, oh, no, the best part about was that she died, and then since they have to touch each other, use their power, she had, he had to dry her skin and wrap it around his sword right. belt. Amazing. Give me that. I don't care yeah. about her. It's so fucked up. These people aren't so, fucked up enough. So about that, just since you mentioned that that era of Thunderbolts, Warren Ellis, who is persona non grata to us now for being a piece of shit, but <laughs> when that that uh, that uh, comic came out, he said, "This is the most fucked up thing I have ever come up with," and this is a guy who wrote Authority and Transmetropolitan and like an early version of Damon Hellstrom, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty fucked up." True. Um, right. This it this was right before Army Hammer came out with his uh, text <laughs> messages, though. So um, so less cannibalism, but yeah. like oh my still God. fucked up. But do you think like what if that's his? He was really auditioning to play. So he's like, wait, hire me. Like, <laughs> real okay. method acting, like okay. move over, if, Jared Leto. There's a new person in town. If you're gonna go for a role. Do Hannibal Lecter and be done with it. Because if anyone should play it at this point, you know. In Thunderbolts, didn't Matt Garkin um, rip a uh, bite off someone's like leg yeah. and yeah. eat it? All right, there but, you go. There's an army hammer playing yeah. <laughs> scorpion slash venom at some point. Well, let's get back to Marauders. Let's uh, not. Uh, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Thunderbolts in a second, but I completely agree with Clark of like how well jerry dugan is able to interweave like several different like plots and make it all feel super organic this is the stuff i really wanted to see in the aftermath of ten of swords like these sort of quiet moments where it's not jumping right into another like major saga major crossover whatever it's just like we're level setting here we're trying to like uh do a little world building and get the characters back where we, we think they need to be adam well, what I, th and I, I like the way you both put it and Clark, especially your thing about like 40 pages being like so much to cover. I felt like I was watching an entire t TV episode. Like when the, the issue started, I almost rolled my eyes. You know, I love Storm, but I was like, I'm not gonna spend an entire issue reading about Callisto getting her powers back. And then the fact that they were able to weave all of those storylines together in one issue, it actually is like a total middle finger to all these other like writers who spend time on these downtimes without actually moving things forward. And just like, you know, we, we have tons of issues we read where we're like, oh, well, that was kind of just like a throwaway. And I think it's like, there are these heavy character moments that are important, but you also have to keep the plot moving. You can't just say, okay, I'm gonna do 20 pages about only this, because they're usually way too dragged out. And like, the art's nice, but like, where's the hook? And I'm like, oh, there's multiple hooks going on in this issue. Uh, even for Callisto's characters. And I, just, I also wanted to call it the artwork. It's very like manga-esque, Storm and Callisto especially. Um, just really blew me away. I really enjoyed it. I'm just like, ah, oh, everyone's so sexy in this issue. <laughs> I think Adam. my main problem with this series is that not, it's not a huge, well, it is an issue, but there are multiple characters that are only there because they needed bodies to yep. round out the team. Bishop has, you know, he's a bishop, you know, but... <laughs> He doesn't do fucking anything, you know. 
Yeah. And certainly Iceman might as well just not be in this comic. Like, why is he there? I, I had don't to ask myself. He was. Yeah. yeah, I had to. Re- I had to remember because I for oh like uh, I think they recently. I'm playing Marvel Strike Force these days, and they recently released Iceman, and I had to like go in my head and be like, "What team is Iceman on these days?" And I didn't have an answer, so I'm glad you reminded me he's on Marauders, Ryan. I I am half wondering if Iceman is in this to just fall in love with Christian Frost. Totally. Like, like it feels like he shouldn't be there for something. Also, to go back to your point, Adam, about like the art, I love the art, and I think it's it it's it, it really flushes out the world, and you really understand people's facial expressions, which is hard to convey sometimes. But with that all said, Lockheed looks like a baby stuffed animal, and like they they need to like but they need to like dragon him up a little bit because he looks so like soft and little, like he looks like a new breed of like pug. Like he looks so like not that great, honestly. Kalen, what do you think? Well, if you want some dragons, let's uh, talk about sword number two. So uh, we've got a, uh, a um, it's a crossover with King and Black, uh, but it's really sort of just touching on what's happening on Earth. Null and his symbiotes have covered the Earth uh, in their what did uh, Wizkid call them the latex dragon whatever like I just oh. fucking love yeah. that like description <laughs> and um, I just absolutely adore that rather than kind of following up on what I thought was the, one of the weaker parts of the first issue of Sword even though I loved it that MacGuffin that they went and uh, retrieved at the end of the issue they just like they're just like we're going into all the weird ass cosmic shit that's happening in the Marvel universe right now it just makes it feel super cohesive because i saw a bunch of uh conversation on twitter for people who love uh all the x books right now but aren't reading the donny cates part of the marvel universe they're like oh is there already a crossover having king in black is this uh? i'm like it's not really a crossover all you got to know is like there's just some like heavy shit happening and now you've got this like uh you know this like intergalactic like response team having to deal with it and it's just so smart uh, from everything from Frenzy dealing with like the Intergalactic Council um, with uh, I always forget the Super Skrull's name it's or something like that yeah thank you there you go um, you, you know you've got uh, a Mentallo being brought in who was the redacted guy in the first issue I'm like like way to like fucking do a deep cut there Al Ewing like men- fucking Mentallo uh, and just how like Agent Brand just shits on him. And then when the action turns to Krakoa, you've got, uh, they bring in Sunfire, uh, which made me so happy. It made me so, so goddamn happy. The only thing that I'm slightly worried about um, uh, is like the, the figure that you see at the beginning of the issue and then it's revealed at the end is a nullified cable. Uh, and then next week, uh, one of the books is cable. So if the continuity doesn't match up, my nerdy brain is going to break a little bit. So that's my Same. only complaint. Same. I'm, I, uh, I'm really glad, well, I was going to say, I'm really glad you explained that because I didn't know who that was. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, who the fuck is that? Okay. <laughs> Clark? I said, um, the MVP of this I- I- issue for me is uh, Fabian Cortez. Oh, for sure. They finally made the Magneto and him weird scene the first one like works now in retrospect it was so yes. awkward and terrible that, that that time well maybe it still doesn't work but 
the now now do you remember me it feels a little strange but yeah. also yes and, you, you're you're a dick but you 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 get results and Cargel to like chime in and be like oh history repeating itself oh, great yeah what do yeah you call her Cargel yeah that's how I pronounce things because right. I'm wrong <laughs> Car- Car- I was like who's Cargel <laughs> um okay. Yeah, I do like the fact that he is already worming his way onto the quiet council, like talk to them, just try to, he's such a shithead and I love it. Is it bad that my favorite character from this series is him and an empath is my favorite one from Hellions? It, it, no. it explains everything, Clark. M- Mentalo is like the perfect person to have on this because he doesn't really have too much like strings. He's mostly like a, fan, a fantastic four character, but like for him to actually acknowledge his mutant roots and Abigail Brand to be like, hey, um, you don't care about mutants or anything, but you want a good job and I can basically tell you what to do. Like that's so smart on her part. I just love her so much. She's what I love, she's such a great character and Al Ewing has her voice down perfectly. I do love uh, that he is digging deep to like, including some like, like off the wall mutants, like Peepers, Mentalo, Random. I forgot all about right. Random until, until this is, I mean, he's literally a random character. And like, I was like, I don't know if I've seen him maybe since, was he in Necrotia? Am I, am I remembering that correctly? He pops up in an X-Force every once yeah. in a while. To, to quote uh, Jamey, it's like so random, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I like that even he has a decent amount of dialogue in this issue too. Like they're definitely, yeah. they're using the team to its full extent. Like we, like sadly, like Marauders, a lot of people are just kind of placeholders, but every person gets some sort of dialogue in that connects into the overall conversation and storyline, which I really like. Yeah. Uh, I definitely love seeing Sunfire. I liked... Yeah, the pick, I literally had to go back because I was like, did I finish the first issue? Like, did I miss something of where they introduced? Yeah. No, like, you know, it's like, and it was like, nope, completely different. And it's it's good. It's just like a very slice of life tie-in that is, it, it is, they were really smart because I think they probably thought to themselves, how do we use these issues uh, that are tie-in related to build character, which I think is really cool because that's what's standing out to me. is like, I still don't know what the fuck is going to happen in S.W.O.R.D., but at least this issue did so much for continuing to set the tone and interactions of the team. And I know we kind of rip on some of the other X books where we have writers who are basically just writing every character the same. This like Hellions and even like Marauders, and I'd probably say even more than Marauders in some cases, all of these characters have very distinct voices and it's just a pleasure to read because the reactions and interactions, Fabian obviously is a huge standout this issue but especially with Frenzy as well. Like just everything comes together really nicely. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, glad that you mentioned this in contrast with Marauders, which I also love is one of my favorite X books, but it's clear that Jerry Dugan is really interested in writing uh, about the relationship between Emma and Kate and then the machinations with Sebastian. Yes. Uh, Cause everything else is super secondary to Clark's point. It's like, we forgot Iceman was there. Oh, here's Bishop in one panel as the red Bishop. Um, it's clear that Ewing is really trying to uh, develop an ensemble cast. Yes, Agent Brand is the badass we all want to be, but like giving enough time to like Wizkid, to uh, Fabian Cortez, to Frenzy, uh, to fucking Mentallo, 
you know, <laughs> and like cable is going to be, you know, obviously part of this as well as head of security. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a spotlight on one character. It is truly uh, the best kind of team book. Right. Right. Completely agree. And the good thing that they get to do is that any crossover that happens in the Marvel universe, they get to be a, a response to it. So like, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, they get to have one or two issues like off within their own ongoing series to like really comment on the situation because they are the like peacekeeping force for the entire world. So it's, right. it's, it's such a good idea. And sure, it's like a Reign of X book, but it can basically, it's just a greater Marvel Universe book, which is, it's, it's so smart. Um, I love I, it. I, I'm obsessed. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. they're like, yeah, "Wait, yeah. have we heard from Alpha Flight?" And I'm like, "Who gives a shit?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. Oh yeah, what is, is Alpha Flight was still around? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is Puck gonna save the day? Like, honestly, who cares? <laughs> oh, I like Puck, but yeah, Puck you're right. You Puck Flight anymore either? Uh, well, there you go. So, uh, moving on to our third and final book this week uh, was Thunderbolts number one uh, miniseries, as I mentioned before, a tie-in, a true tie-in to King in Black, uh, and it's by Matthew Rosenberg and Juan Ferreira, and in this book, you've got uh, Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, who is still the mayor of New York City, and he's like, I'm going to deal with uh, the, uh, you know, the infestation of Null and all the symbiotes, like, my own way, and so he gathers his sort of, like, suicide squad basically of thunderbolts <laughs> including including taskmaster uh mr fear um uh Batrock, the leaper star. Was, uh, and star uh and a couple of others were just sort of random uh but <laughs> it was um i was really down on rosenberg uh and we've talked about it before like especially because of his uh uncanny run just before hawks and pox uh, but I forgot that he is actually pretty talented and he's actually uh, kind of delightful at times because I was just smiling as I was reading this book. Because one, I loved Juan Ferreira's art. I thought it was very expressive and a little like indie. Uh, but I love like the humor of all of this. These are all a bunch of bastards. And they, you know, you've got Taskmaster who's pretending to be a hero, but clearly isn't. You've got Batrock doing his Frenchy Batrockness, uh, and it's just it is the best kind of non-essential but still very enjoyable uh, supplementary material for a big crossover. What's your thought? He can be a hero. He certainly is a hero in his own series currently, because people are blaming him for a, ki- a kill. But he's working with um, Nick Fury. I think of him more as an anti-hero, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kalen, I just love that you said Suicide Squad because there's literally a line in the book that says like, this is a suicide mission. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Okay, so we're yeah. outwardly saying it. Okay, I'm I'm here for this. I just love that like, people will die. You remember yeah. Snakehead? Because no one else does because she's dead. <laughs> remember, what was the other one for fuck's sake? Ampere? Amp- oh, what- Ampere, yeah. Yes, you dead. He got killed twice. It is such a fun fucking series. Um, I hope this transitions into a constant series anytime there's like a big event that this team can come together and always be, maybe not ongoing like normally, but like always like when there's a big event, they show up. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be fun? I um, also, I just have to give a shout out to Balchark the Leaper because he literally, okay, so. Uh, He's good at jumping. He yeah. is great <laughs> at jumping. 
not even that jump because that's in his name. But uh, when uh, Snakehead got her half of her body ripped off, oh. it should have just been the head. But I, I'm not here to complain. But um, when when that happened, all he did was he saw the dragon and he just kicked its knee. He just went ha and just <laughs> kicked its knee. And I was like, all right, okay, cool. It's it's just a fun team, and of course Norman Osborn is in it. Honestly, we got to have him at some point, so of course he's in. Kalen, what do you think? Sure. My favorite moment is after like the dragon comes in and kills them, and you've got the rhino going, "Yeah, I'm out, and you're not going to stop me." <laughs> and then you got Batrock going, "Au revoir, hippopotamus." Yes. I <laughs> so fucking hard. I laughed so hard at that he's like great. little panel. It's so good so good yeah no i that was real standout issue for me and i'm i've only like kind of dabbled in reading and understanding about thunderbolts over the years but i'm like it, i really love i know it's an easy setup to just be like it's a suicide squad mission for villains but like they just always work so well because when the villains are kind of low rent nobody has any fucks to give and people can die it just always makes for a much more interesting world and even like the idea where they ran into Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist and they're like, should we help? And they're like, no, we're going to get in more trouble. And it's just like, let's just leave them. They have their battle. We have ours. Like it just all lots of like this realistic, what would actually happen if you had like low rent criminals with superpowers that were caught in a cataclysmic like war, what would actually happen? Everyone feels very real on page. Um, and I, I just really appreciate that. So it's, it's got very good panache essentially. And I a hundred percent agree with you that I, I wasn't, I was very surprised because we obviously kind of left with Matt Rosenberg and like not the greatest state of like quality. And I'm like, oh, great. Bring more of this. Like only give him Suicide Squad books. I don't know. Like something here is magic. I want to see more of it. Ryan? Al Ewing, when he can do comedy, like thrives pretty well. Um, for him to say to one of the null symbiotes, symbiote, um, he said, look at that drippy Spider-Man. And that put me on the floor i was like laughing a fucking so i loved it so much wait rosenberg you mean rosenberg lady oh i'm sorry rosenberg sorry but al ewing is also very good but at also good at comedy. Yeah. is everyone really yeah. good at comedy sword number two yeah. is great yeah yeah absolutely all right so we'll be uh clearly continuing to review thunderbolts i wanted to give it one issue to see if it was any fun and clearly yes. it is i want to see what the next two issues bring so we've got some Newsflash. So first up, we actually found about this late last week. There is going to be a new Reign of X book, which I'm super excited about, called The Way of X. And it features Nightcrawler, and it's got a bunch of other mutants that we all know and love, including Pixie and Loa and a few others who I'm not remembering. But DJ, the best character. And Dr. Nemesis. And Dr. Oh, oh, Dr. Nemesis yes. is actually the best character. Is actually the best character. And it's written by Simon Spurrier. Um, and he was rumored for the last few months of like he was going to be writing one of these books. And we were speculating on what that could be. Nightcrawler is probably, along with Emma, one of my favorite X characters ever. So I'm really glad that he's being featured again. And it makes sense that it's not just a solo book, that it is a quasi-teen book. And it's about exploring the theology and the spirituality of Krakoa. Uh, and like what happened. Um, I absolutely adore the issue that he was featured in an X-Men thing number seven or eight uh, last year where he was talking about maybe developing a whole new religion on Krakoa 
And so like exploring that, I just think, God, what a fucking smart idea for a book. Uh, I, I cannot wait. I like the fact that we were like, why the fuck is Night- Nightcrawler having a quote to the front of every single issue of all of these series? And it's literally just when you add them together, it is his sermon, yeah, which I find really interesting. Yeah. It's okay. So we've seen just about all these characters in some sort of role over the years. Um, obviously, Nightcrawler, Dr. Nemesis. Pixie has stepped up as a new X-Men and been in a primary role. Loa's been in some fun crossovers. Then uh, Blink obviously is there too. So she's been dead and not dead and like been around for many years. Um, Then we throw in one character that has basically had like two lines of dialogue in his entire career called, and Kaylin, you're going to like this. His name is DJ. And we don't know anything about him. We no. don't know his personality. We don't know no, 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 anything. We do. Okay. We, well, know, we know that he was a big flirt and everyone wanted to sleep with him, especially <laughs> Rubbermaid. Oh, and so we know you... that the only time we ever heard him speak was when he got blown up in a bus. <laughs> he was the last okay. one to die. They talked to him before he died. And he was, yeah, it was pretty hilarious it's it's good to it's good to know that you read the yearbook anniversary issue of new mutants as well to figure out what he was into but he is like basically an unknown entity right now and Mm -hmm. for him to even be in a supporting role i'm living because like throw more in like this that we've never seen before like remember when rain boy was in a comic a couple weeks ago like i live for this stuff like all these obscure people coming in i'm i'm loving it my one of my favorite um you already talked about it my favorite young x new x-men is loa i absolutely love her i loved her in the namor series that was going on when they were on utopia i think she's just a really interesting character how do you guys how do you guys think the religion aspect works into like krakoa is he gonna be like a crazy like super church cultist now no i don't think so i don't think so at all i think it's really going to be about working with people on figuring out what their belief system is when after they die they can just get resurrected right Uh, so it's like if you have a belief system if you're like judeo-christian uh you know you believe in a heaven or a hell uh if you're hindu you believe in reincarnation uh and so on and so forth it's like so what does that mean if like if your body is decimated then you come back like what what does that mean for the soul uh, I think it's going to do that kind of like very like metaphysical, like spiritual kind of exploration. And I think it's such a neat idea for a book. And Simon Spurrier, I've never, I've not loved all of his stuff, but I think he's a very smart writer. His Legion series is very good. Uh, uh, yeah. And I think he can, ha- he can tackle some like really, really like heavy, heavy shit well. Well, yeah, no, the description is like just the funniest thing to me. It's like mutant kind has built a new Eden, but there are serpents in this garden. Some mutants <laughs> struggle to fit in. Some mutants turn to violence and death, and this is the best part. And the children whisper of the patchwork man singing in their hearts. Like, what the fuck is that gonna be? (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll say it now. I want DJ to become a cult leader. That's the opposite of whatever Nightcrawler is doing. Okay, let's move on. I love it. Into it, into it. All right, we can't wait for that book to come out. I think it's coming out this April. So uh, more news, and actually this is a rumor rather than news, uh, that in the upcoming She-Hulk show on Disney+, Plus, Kristen Ritter will come back and reprise her role as Jessica Jones. Uh, how do y'all feel about that? Do you think there's validity to it, or do you think this is just some 
rando on Reddit who just made up something and then, you know, other news sites picked up on it. Adam? It's probably some rando that picked up on, got picked up on news sites, like that toilet lady that said the Kanye and Kim Kardashian broke up. But, uh, but I'm Jeffree like, Star. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but overall, I'm definitely in on this. I mean, I think the biggest failing on the Netflix shows was not the casting. It was just the overall plotting of many of its series. And so I think Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones is Jessica Jones. I would never, I know he talked about like, are they going to recast for certain characters? I really want where they've seen exceptional talent to keep them. I don't know. I feel like it's a good combination, especially if, uh, she hopes going to be, you know, have that lawyer. I think the hardest part will be kind of the how they twist Kristen Ritter's character to do to be more comedic and fit within the tone of the show. But we've also already proven because of the being in Apartment Twenty Three that Kristen Ritter's amazing at comedy. Yeah. So it's like if you're going to use Jessica Jones, what a fantastic way to bring her back. And like again, I love. I forget the guy who plays Luke Cage, but he's so fucking hot, and I just want to see him in everything. So. You know, I want them to keep these characters around, but have a reason for it, not just to say we're tying this shit together and making it even more confusing and not really fitting yeah. it into you. Ryan? To, to me, the She-Hulk show was going to be almost like she is tackling a legal issue within the MCU each week. So it's, you know, Ally McBeal of the MCU, which is a sad reference, but I it, it would be like, so cameos can come and go so easily yeah. into this world so even if she comes in just for a little bit refuses to talk you know is drinking the entire time i don't know if it would be terrible um and like some of the continuity especially these continuity queens that are out there like would get <laughs> fucking pissed that the defenders aren't in most of the world like i think this could satisfy them for a little bit um and you know what like anyone can make an appearance in this it, what i'm thinking of this show as yeah. But I mean, who knows? Honestly, we don't really know the formula yet. I, I think they need to scratch, scrap most of it, most of no. the. I, I think it's. I mean, we're we're not going to get. Um, shit, just lost his name in my head. I knew his name. Anyways, uh, Luke Cage back. He has a series on CBS that he's going to be stuck in a contract with. We're not yeah. going to get um, Misty Knight back because she's got a series oh. on CBS. Everyone's on CBS now, which is hilarious. Yeah. Which means we literally, it's a cross, cross um, company thing. So W's not going to be like, yeah, yeah, you could do something for yeah, Disney. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, I'm fine with Charlie Cox coming back. I'm fine with Kristen Witter coming back. And I don't really have any interest in anybody else. I certainly don't want Patsy Hellcat nonsense shit box. <laughs> You don't want her great Clark. No, I want the real character doing real interesting <laughs> stuff and then, yeah, marrying the son of the you, devil. But you definitely want Danny Rand back, aka the Iron Fist. No, I don't. We, they, need, <laughs> they need to recast that too, because that character's awesome when he's not played by that. For sure. Uh, leave the flower night alone. <laughs> they should no, bring they, him in. They if they are going to bring him, him back, the they, they got to bring him in through like Shang-Chi, probably. Um, yeah. and I always thought that they should have recast, uh, or like reinterpreted Iron Fist as somebody who was Asian rather than, <laughs> you know, just like going, but that's yeah, not, that's a discussion for another day. Yes. We don't, we don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't need Iron Fist right now. We got Shang-Chi. Yeah. That, that's true. 
All right, so moving on, um, we found out a little bit more details about the upcoming Lord of the Rings show on Amazon, and it is turns out it's a prequel of the uh, trilogy that came out about 20 years ago, give or take, I can't believe it's been 20 years, yeah. uh, and it's supposed to be about the return of Sauron. So I am not a Tolkien expert by interest of imagination. I didn't even watch the Hobbit trilogy because I was like, I'm fucking done. I can't watch a trilogy based on a 200-page book. Uh, so timeline-wise, do we know, is this supposed to take place in between The Hobbit and The Fellowship? Co- correct, right? yeah. So so in theory, this is how Sauron came to power again. So in the very first Lord of the Rings, and even in the book and stuff, they, they say basically like, he, he got his hand chopped off, and then he came to power again. And they never really research why or how he became powerful after he like... And then turned into a fucking giant eye. But like they don't go into how he regained his power. So this is not Hobbit related, but it will go into how he actually came to be. So it might actually be probably before the Hobbit. Yeah, because- it's that thousands of years before. before. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Well, no, no, no. The Hobbit, though, they still go back to the history. Oh, yeah, no, but the the show itself is going to take place thousands of of years before either of the things. So I'm totally in on that. Like, I I love Knights of the the Old Republic. I love any, like, and I would have watched a total Game of Thrones prequel series that took place thousands of years ago. Like, I'm fine. Like, build, use a world, but just do a different time period so you can tell a lot more interesting stories and not have to tie it together. Clark? I'm getting a the Dark Crystal TV show vibe yeah. from this in that like all of these characters will be dead soon kind of yes. thing. <laughs> Correct. It, like it, yeah, it, I'm, I'm it, kind it's, of like, it's like, like watching these heroes and you're like it's kind of like you know they're going to fail by the end. Like this is this is not going to last. They might get small victories but they're still going to be done. I sort of appreciate the downbeat, like, you know what the downbeat ending is going to be, but I'm just wondering how much story material they could mine out of it. I know Tolkien wrote a lot of, like, um, encyclopedic stuff, like the this, this Similarion, I can never yeah. pronounce it correctly. Right. Like, it's got all that stuff, but it's just, it's more just, like, historical stuff than actual story. And maybe a talented screenwriter can weave like a really good story out of it i just i'm, I'm not terribly excited for it at all this, Adam? It, the synopsis does sound a lot like game of thrones like the actual recent series because it's basically just like it's about all these powers and kingdoms and also this overwhelming evil i was like you mean white walkers like it just sounds like a very which i'm all for if they can build up another game of thrones polit- if they could build up a political fantasy series again i'll gladly watch it like i did it i know you're done with it but like, you know, it, it, it is going to be hard for them not to retread waters that have already just existed. So I do agree with you that it's going to be tough to make this feel different. But if it's at least high quality, same old, same old, then I'm, I'm also happy to watch it. I just can't have it be generic fantasy bullshit, right? I remember just as a boy, like, because they give this sort of overall description when you first read Lord of the Rings. And it's like describing how all the different rings were made. This many were given to the dwarves. These, this many was given to the elves. And like all of that shit. Like if you go into that, them actually having the rings, seeing that they're rings of power, I think that could be actually kind of cool. And then we can know why Sauron is like such a powerful force. I think that would be actually kind of fun. Kaylin. 
the only way I would really be into that if Seven Rings goes to Ariana Grande and then I'm in. <laughs> Stupid. I love that. I'm, Let's end on that note. Uh, uh, I will say on the fantasy stuff that I'm more interested in is the Wheel of Time stuff that they're going to do on Amazon because it's a whole new world. Um, and it's I've never read the books, but there's like 17 of them or 12 of them or something insane. Uh, and I've heard even though the, the main writer died, Robert Jordan died before uh, it ended, it still ended on a really like like high note. So I'm like curious to see like how, how well they do that. But since you mentioned uh, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, uh, it's really exciting that uh, Ubisoft is going to be making a massive open world Star Wars game soon. Um, and very, very like interested to see like how they do that. But question for all of you, which era would you like it to take place in? We, right. we, we've definitely explored <laughs> the rise of the Empire, the, the fall of the Empire. So <laughs> like, I think steering clear of that would be ideal because we've really drilled down on that era of Star Wars. Um, with that in mind, I would love for them to do like sort of the lead up to what our sequel movies would be. I don't think that's going to actually happen because I think they're going to actually flesh it out in Mandalorian yeah. And through comics and books and stuff like that. So I think that you just got to go in the past, unfortunately, even a longer, farther galaxy. Like, I think you have to go really in the past. Um, so there were definitely games of the old Republic that have come out. But, and those were phenomenal back in the day. They were like, they fucking were killer. Mm -hmm. uh, with that said, the High Republic, which the Acolyte series is going to be um, coming up soon. Uh, that is ripe for picking and choosing it's literally the the jedi when they're at the height of their uh in the republic so like and they just came out with comic book series they just came out with um a bunch of books so i think that's probably where they're going to be leaning towards and also they know the the world so they can wrap their heads around it already and then you can have some easter eggs from the books and the comics to like actually show up there so that's for me, especially them now announcing this now when the new High Republic stuff came out, it feels like they'll probably be around that era, personally. What do you guys we think? Still, we still get Yoda out of that. And Yoda's still the there. Yeah. It's all your favorites. Yoda! And um, Anakin Skywalker for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know. What Do you guys think anywhere else could Kayla? happen action? Uh, I, I mean, I agree that I would like it to be uh, probably in the past if they're not going to do like the era between Jedi and uh, Force Awakens. Um, but I think what's probably going to they'll probably end up focusing in on is the original trilogy, uh, because that's the most it's the most it's the most marketable part of it. It's the ones the fans will like probably resonate with the most. I think if they wanted to get super ambitious, I'm not saying it'll happen, but super ambitious is they do like uh, Old Republic, prequel era, original trilogy and uh, sequel trilogy. And like they, they have like a way of like your character either dies off and then like you end up becoming a new character and it's really open world in that Ooh. way. And like, like it just reminds me of like, um, Sega had their own version of Final Fantasy called Fantasy Star. Yeah. Sequels, which I never, which I never played. But they had yeah. like these like multi generational um, like characters. It's like your like the the character you started off with ends up dying, and then like your op your offspring end up having to finish the mission. 
So it'd be really interesting to see if they kind of did it that way and like they could they could uh, wrap it around several different uh, eras of Star Wars. Adam? You know, I've never been more attracted to you in my entire life for that fantasy star reference, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, fantasy star three had their generational thing, which was kind of really cool. I do, it's like, we also have to remember this is Ubisoft and they don't do, they're just a giant manufacturing game company. So it's like, it, like the jokes are, it's literally just gonna be Assassin's Creed Star Wars, which like could yeah. work too, is like you just, you know, you have the, what's really interesting to me is like, what won't make it that at least, is they, you'd have to, you have to allow travel. If they set the entire thing on one planet, that could be really weird. So would it be a desert planet? Gala, a desert planet. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> no, but to your point, they may they maybe it's not generations, but it might at least be like multiple acts. So it's like there's five there's three or four mini maps that you can go to, which in this case would be different planets. I think uh I think you're right that I would love for it to be High Republic, especially if the, at that time it's a little bit more the travel would make more sense. Because I could also see them being very focused on this Mandalorian time period, because they could use the outer rim which means like your travel time is low. You're kind of jumping to these different planets. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Like I hope they have a most like a space battle feel to it. Uh, certainly we'll probably have an RPG like system because the division has done that. I think also their other games, like all their open world games are Assassin's Creed division. And um, God, I can't think of the other one. It's like a, it's like a post a, a slight future dystopia where it's like you can take control of people's technology and stuff like that. Like they're definitely gonna probably spin and model off of it. So I would wager you're probably gonna be a little bit more like a bounty hunter rather than a Jedi type. But you know, it'd be kind of remiss for them not to try to introduce ways to do weapon combat because everybody fucking loves light like you know, no video game of Star Wars would be would be remiss to include a lightsaber battle. So it, it'll be interesting how they combine all these engine like engines and ideas together. Um but it, it sounds exciting. Um but I would like it I think they're, I feel like I'm not, I'd rather they remake Knights of the Old Republic instead of trying to set it during that kind of like a different time period can put specifically, but I don't know, Ryan. It's, uh, it's actually, so this announcement is big because they had a deal with EA Sports, or yeah. I mean, sorry, EA. It's not always sports, but isn't it? Honestly, it's such a team that I love it. Yeah. Okay. But it, they had a deal with EA. And so this was the first time that they were able to work with another studio to produce one of their games. So it's a big undertaking because they're out of that contract. They can fucking do whatever they want with this now. So it's really exciting just in general. So no matter where they go with it, even if it's like a fucking knockoff of one of the games you just mentioned, Adam, it's still a big jump. Oh yeah. Because because it's not uh it's not Lucas, uh it's not Lucas like stuff via v, uh, EA now. It's like Lucas games now. So which is a huge thing for them because they can plot their own path basically now so it's it's pretty exciting actually it doesn't have Do, to be have they mentioned have they mentioned which consoles it's going to be on or is it just going to be on pc no it, it's definitely going to be on all the it'll be ps5 xbox series x they'll probably skip on the switch because this is obviously going to be pushing their yeah. hardware i would imagine but it'll definitely come yeah. out all major like major platforms about that do open world games really well but gotcha, no, gotcha, they haven't gotcha. confirmed anything, but they'd be ridiculous not to. All right. Well, now we're in our final segment. Uh, one of my favorites. It's Clark's Got Something. 
Let's find out. Are, is everyone ready for the inauguration? Absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> Next week, our podcast will happen after the inauguration. This is we'll not have a new a, president. Finally, we'll have yeah, a new president, which is great. Stressful, terrible. <laughs> are you guys worried about DC? A yeah. little bit. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Thanks for asking, Clark. <laughs> yeah. Are so you sure I, you have something? No, I don't. <laughs> I've just been watching the news way too much, and I keep getting distracted, so I don't have anything. But anyway, there were so many people <laughs> that had the fuck. There were so many Punisher shirts and uh, stuff, which is frightening. You literally need it's, to either kill the character off, wow. or just just get rid of his name. Just make him be, you oh. know. Nobody. He doesn't have a comic oh. right now. He he's, shows up in Mighty Avengers, but he doesn't have his own comic. Yeah. Kaylin. So, not Punisher, but this is actually kind of cool. Uh, Jack Kirby's son, when he saw a bunch of the folks who were at the Capitol last week, some of whom were dressed up as Captain America and, like, merging the Captain America Donald Trump-like imagery, oh, he was yeah. like, this is some bullshit. Uh, Captain America was invented by my father, Jack Kirby, and Joe Simon, two New York Jewish guys who hated Nazis. Like, Captain America, if he was, like, a real a real person, would be fighting these guys because he, like, they are, like, what they're, oh. they're insurrectionists. They're Nazis themselves. And then they shared the story of, like, um, when uh, Captain America was first introduced in 1940 or 1941. It was before America entered World War II. And if you guys remember the iconic cover, it's Captain America punching Hitler, which mm-hmm. is like, it just seems so like, you know, oh yeah, of course, like, of course you're punching Hitler, but it was <laughs> such a, a political a political comment back then because you had a, 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 a significant portion of the country that were called, quote unquote, America first, that they didn't want uh, the United States entering into World War II. They were Nazi sympathizers, mostly because they were anti-communist and they believed that uh, Hitler and Nazi Germany were the lesser of two evils, or they just agreed with what Hitler was trying to do. And so when that issue was published, um, a bunch of Nazis apparently came to uh, whatever Marvel Comics was called at the time. I think it was like Timely Comics or Atlas Comics. They came to like the lobby and they were like, we want to meet the guy that like, you know, created this and drew this and like, you know, beat him up. And like Jack Kirby, apparently not only was he a talented artist and an amazing storyteller and an amazing creator, it was like he took shit from no one. And he like went down to the lobby, like uh, uh, sleeves rolled up, Right, <laughs> fucking rumble with three Nazis, and once they saw him, they just left. Like I'm like, what a fucking great story! But like, uh, when Clark mentioned the whole the Punisher iconography, that's already kind of like I hate the Punisher iconography. Period. But like when the Captain America iconography came in, that was so offensive uh, yeah. to me as somebody who loves the character and yeah. you know uh, believes in what he stands for as much as you can for a fictional character. Uh, God, it was super upsetting. But uh, Clark is right. Uh, we we all live in D.C. or the D.C. area. Uh, we are all trying to tell everyone to be safe, everyone to like kind of stay put. Uh, by the next time we uh, uh, put out our podcast, uh, hopefully um, it will have gone smoothly. We will have a new president. Thank God, President Biden and uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, like, Finally, we're like out of this like awful, awful period in American history, uh, and hopefully things will get a little bit better. Well, well phrased, Kalen. Yeah. 
Thank you. Uh, and then I'm going to recite the Pledge of Allegiance now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks so much. Uh, this has been our podcast. Of course, you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And please interact with us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and on Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.